Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I want to extend a super special invitation. November 8th through the 11th, right here in Boston, Massachusetts, we're hosting Inbound 2016. It is our event where we bring together thousands of marketing and sales professionals from around the globe to come to one spot, share all the latest and greatest in terms of tactics, strategies, best practices, so we can all learn from each other. Over 250 sessions, some amazing keynotes, including Alec Baldwin, Anna Kendrick. It's going to be great. I have even better news for you. As a Growth Show listener, you get a free community pass to Inbound 2016. Just go to inbound.com to register and use the code PODCAST. That's capital P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We hope to see you at Inbound. and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Earlier this year, Joel Gascoigne and his colleagues at Buffer launched a brand new product into the world. And then just a few months later, we're faced with the difficult decision of having to lay off about 10% of their staff. Today on The Grow Show, you'll hear Joel's story of how he went through that decision, pivoted after realizing he made a mistake, and came back ever stronger. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Grow Show. So I guess just to start things off, February-ish, you launched a new product, Buffer Respond, Mm -hmm. Um, and then the summer, um, you had to lay off 10 of your staff members uh, and had a really nice, transparent way of talking about that decision and uh, what had led up to it. And then uh, shortly thereafter, in July, you had a great uh, earnings month, a a cash flow positive month. So when you look back at all that has transpired... What stands out to you about the highs and lows the most? Um, what do you reflect on still when you're thinking about it? Eventful year for us. Um, I think the, probably the most interesting thing for me reflecting on it is just how quickly you can go from those highs to lows. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I think um, a few of us in the in the team, and especially in, in the executive team, have kind of reflected on how, you know, we, we had a, a company retreat to Hawaii um, where we flew everyone to Hawaii and we did oh. that and that was you know, just a couple months before we then had to make those the tough decisions around the, the layoffs. And so it's just really interesting how that happened. And I think that's definitely a huge mistake that I feel I made um, to not kind of foresee that. But um, I think, yeah, it's, and I think another part is that, um, you know, right around that time, I was thinking a lot about this transition we were going through where we were um, hitting 80, 90 people and uh, really transitioning from startup days to to kind of like scale up and, and growing and having more structure and things. Um, and I think, you know, and it's been over five years since we started, so it's coming up to almost six years since wow. I started Buffer. And uh, you kind of, uh, you know, at that point I was thinking, you know, we, we've, you know, starting to graduate a little bit from those chaotic startup days. But then, um, yeah, then all of that kind of uh, happened and, and we've worked through that. So it's definitely still felt very much like, uh, you know, a startup in a way. So I think, um, definitely thinking a lot about that transition to scale, but we're definitely right in the midst of that whole transition, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that 80 to 90 employee market is really an inflection point. And, you know, yeah. you think about that idea of startup to scale up, 
And I think that, you know, if you look at and a number of other startups in put in that position, they would have probably kicked the can down the aisle and they would have gone to raise another round of funds, right? Mm. Or a round to carry them over until they sort of grew into the, the growth spurt they were, um, they were headed towards. Why did you make the hard decision that you did around layoffs and not the other decision about raising funds? I think that's really interesting. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I think we've, so, so far we've done two rounds of funding and we've been lucky and you know, to be in the position both those times where we'd uh, actually reached profitability and uh, we didn't need to raise really either of those times, but we felt like it was what made sense um, for us and we could uh, you know, grow faster by doing that. And uh, this time around, it, it just felt like, you know, we, we had grown fast and we'd, uh, you know, made, made errors on uh, the expenses versus the revenue and things. And, uh, you know, and, and also our growth rate had started to slow a little bit. Um, and that's something that we felt like we would want to go out there and raise um, in a similar position as before. And that's kind of the, the aim we've always had is to go out there and raise when we know we could just walk away from any conversation and we're not totally dependent on that fundraising and that's definitely a, a slightly different mindset than um, some other startups take where they're literally just always kind of burning cash and it's right. you know, a, a measured runway until the end of that uh, round of funding before you go for the next but that's not how we've done it and so you know we, we much prefer to be uh, cash flow positive and be you know in a good position and then go out there and raise when we feel like we can you know really take this this further so um, I think you know, in a, in a big way, it was us taking full responsibility and saying we want to have a really healthy, uh, you know, solid business before we go out and do that, and we don't want to, you know, shy away from that that challenge and and kind of head and just deal with it and, and get through it. And um, we felt like there's there were some things that we wanted to figure out at that you know size of company that we had not um, you know fully solved, um, and we wanted to uh, tackle all of that and work on that and, and get, you know, get on top of our finances. It was kind of a nice wake up call for us to, to do those kinds of things. Um, and so we, we just chose that path rather than fundraising. And I you know to be fully honest, we're also having a lot of conversations right now about, you know, what, what happens if we continue fundraising and what happens if we don't do that at this point. So one of the reasons that people know about this decision is that you decided as a company to be as transparent as possible about it. You wrote a blog post detailing the news um, and really detailing those those five-hour meetings where you're deliberating what to do. Mm. Um, you've been known as a very transparent company for, I think, your, your full existence. Uh, you are transparent about your earnings. You're transparent about salaries of people who um, work with you. You're transparent about the good and the bad. Does having that level of transparency mm -hmm. change your decision making? I think it does um, in, in some ways because I think we always go into something knowing that we want to be able to be completely transparent about it. And so we've got to be, you know, feel good about our decisions. And so I think this was uh, one of those cases. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't actually explicitly discuss, you know, oh, will we be transparent or won't we be transparent when we went into some of, you know, those the earlier uh, uh, meetings in, around the layoffs. But I think it was just an understood thing between all of us that we were going to do that. And I think that's why we felt like we needed to make really uh, solid decisions, get advice from, you know, people outside the company and, and make sure we felt really good about 
um, well, as, you know, as good as we can, uh, some of the decisions we had to make uh, to get through that, that period of time. So um, I think it does. I mean, I, I've, I've talked about before that I, I really believe that transparency um, holds you to a higher standard. I think, you know, this, this, we just want to go from, you know, area to area and everything that we're doing and, and you know, ask ourselves, like, how would we feel if this was literally just published, uh, you know, in a blog post? Would we feel comfortable with that? And if not, then dig into that and ask why and then and, and solve those underlying things that are the reasons why we might not feel comfortable with that. Uh, you're in the room, you are discussing this big decision about which path to take for your company. What do you remember from those meetings? And I find that I am quite idealistic and optimistic um, in my thinking. And so I think there was, you know, essentially when we, uh, when we brought to the table these, you know, the actual financial forecasts of what was going on and that basically our uh, our burn and our expenses were kind of uh, beyond our revenues uh, by about 200k, um, and we, you know, we we still had you know well over a million dollars in the bank, but it was you know declining pretty quickly. Um, but I think there was just a gradual kind of dawning upon all of us, um, especially me, um, of well, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest expense is the salaries of, of everyone in the company, and there's no way around it, you know, at all. Um, uh, you know, we can reduce budgets and things like that, but at the end of the day, uh, salaries were, you know, 90%, you know, and, and maybe there's other things we could have potentially reduced everyone's salary or something like that, but, um, you know, we went through those some of those different options and we decided in the end that that's what we, we had to do. So I think that's one of the key things that, that I remember from that, um, which is kind of a big learning for me. So um, you make the decision. And you know it's not even a question in your mind or anybody else's mind that you're going to be public about the decision and what went into it. And so you write a post about it and you um, kind of pour your heart onto the page and then you hit publish and then you wait for reactions. What was that like? Yeah, it was it was definitely quite nerve-wracking. Um, I think we've been lucky to have some uh, practice and, and, and exercising that muscle a little bit with different things that we've made public. So... We were used to it to a certain extent, but I think this was a whole different level. Um, I we knew that it was big enough that it's just going to spread immediately. Um, I think the key thing for me was uh, I really thought that we would get, and, and rightfully so, uh, a lot more criticism than we did um, around. You know, essentially, I think yeah. uh, from my perspective, uh, the the layoffs that we had to make. Um, you know, that they, they were. They came down to mistakes, not not to outside forces that you know the market changing or something like that. It was really just we hired too quickly and we were too many people and the revenues didn't grow as quickly and it's, it's all things that we should have been able to foresee and I think you know with more experience we, we would have and so because of that I, I felt like definitely um, criticism was definitely uh, warranted but um, I think that was the key thing that surprised me a lot is that. I'd say 99% of the kind of feedback um, and the responses that we received from that was mostly around how amazed people were, were that we were being so transparent about it and explaining every, every little thing. But um, yeah, we, we, we definitely spent a long time on that and I wanted to make sure I felt good about every every word. The aim was just to be uh, fully honest, as honest as, as possible and just share everything and put it out there. Um, there wasn't too much of a thought behind you know how far will this spread or anything we, we knew it would spread pretty far just just naturally 
you know, this is a, a duty we've decided that we, you know, a principle we're living by as a company to be transparent and, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, it was almost, I think, you know, you're, it's funny because you point to the fact that it was, it was a mistake and uh, it wasn't outside some vague outside sources or um, influences on your business. It was a, a fully owned mistake. And oh. I actually think that the, the ownership of that mistake was what was so refreshing about the post and what mm-hmm. uh, I think people really responded to. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, you said actually in that post that optimism has seen you through a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about your perspective on these stumbling blocks that, that are man-made that you hit along the way and, and why it's okay to, to hit those and then come back from them. I feel like a lot of the world revolves around, you know, what is realistic and, and things. And, and you have to kind of go against that quite a bit in order to get a company off the ground, to get an idea and a product off, off the ground. So I feel like, um, you know, when I reflect on the early days with Leo, um, we had to have like a pretty healthy dose of optimism and just believing that we could do this and, and grow this thing, you know, 30, 40, 50% month over month to begin with. And probably one of the biggest mistakes that that we made was just not really having someone in the team that's fully on top of those, uh, the finances. And, and maybe it's partially down to that, that bias towards the optimism instead, because, you know, you really need someone in that position that's going to basically spend their day thinking about all the stuff that could go wrong. The chief worry officer, essentially. Yeah. Uh, what else do you think feels like a strong characteristic that you take on when you move from startup to scale up? You know, I think when you're an early stage startup, everyone is just a generalist and everyone wears many hats, almost every hat. Um, And then as you grow, I think like the specialization is is an aspect that really comes in. I think the other key part is just generally some level of kind of management slash leadership and and experimented a lot with self-management. And I think we learned a lot along the way. And I think certain aspects we would want to you know, experiment with in the future as well. But um, that left us kind of in a state where we're lacking people that have a lot like kind of that management and leadership experience. But I think that is a key thing that, that comes in once you grow from startup to scale up. So, all right. So you you make your way through the, the tough times of early summer. And then since the layoffs, Buffer's been on a pretty positive path. Uh, July was your first cash flow positive month of the year. You've, um, you're on target to have three and a half months of expenses on hand. How are you feeling these days? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely a bit better, but I would say that, you know, um, we, we've been very cautious to not feel like, you know, we're out of the woods because we're definitely not. And there's like longer term impacts on the team in terms of morale and things. And, uh, we are measuring, like we measure MPS, um, within the team. And so it's kind of been expected, but also, uh, good in a way to see that it has gone, you know, taken a dip um, through all of that. Um, so we're like trying to do, you know, a lot to solve that. And then there's, you know, the, just the general uh, challenge that we knew about that we trying to work on, which is getting some more senior leaders in place. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely on the whole, it's been nice to see that, you know, those changes that we made uh, having a fairly immediate impact, and we're getting things um, more under control. So. Um, yeah, and we have some really great things we're working on on the product side and, and things as well that we're really excited about. So it's starting to feel like, you know, everything's coming back together. And um, yeah, and we're just trying to, you know, keep communicating with the team and, and make sure everyone feels, you know, okay through this period. So, uh, so the team goes through this rocky period um, and then you have to kind of keep them focused heading into 
to hit July and to hit August. And it seems like you've done that. What was the, what did you do culturally inside to keep everybody focused, keep everybody motivated uh, after a tough month? One of the key things we did, uh, you know, right at that point when we made the layoffs was obviously to do an all hands. Um, so a whole company wide meeting. And um, for us, that's not completely trivial because we're fully remote, we're remote fully distributed yeah. team. So um, we got, uh, yeah, we got 80 people on a video call and how we did that. And, you know, for some people it's really late, you know, it could be like midnight for some people and things. Um, the two really big things that we, we've been hearing, which we're still, you know, working on, they're not the short term things. Uh, around, um, you know, what's the direction that Buff is going, um, mm-hmm. so the vision, and then also, like, what's what are the career progression opportunities, um, which is definitely a scale-up thing, but we hadn't thought about that much before when we were kind of in startup mode. How, those are pretty big questions. How do you handle that first question, for example, about vision? Yeah, so one of the first things we did was fairly soon after we, we made those layoffs, we, uh, we we had an executive team gathering where we we all, um, and we were all in different places as well, so we kind of came together and we went to uh, Rhode Island, just somewhere where we could, so we could just focus. And then for, uh, I think for three, four days, we literally just uh, chatted from morning till, you know, until midnight, just on, you know, where, where, we, where do we want to take this? And also shortly after that uh, gathering, we uh, wrote what we started called the Buffer Playbook, um, which is something we've started to, um, we, we have fairly comprehensive right now, it's, you know, the vision and uh, you know, what do we, how do we think about fundraising? How, what does that mean yeah. for uh, people's stock options that they have? And um, just um, where, we, where are we going with the product? Where are we going with culture? Like what's our commitments to continuing to do more transparency and like all of, all of those things. And so it's kind of this comprehensive playbook that answers a lot of those questions um, that, that people have to be validated. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, getting that all down on paper too. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Joel. I really appreciate yeah. it. No, thanks so much. All right. Thanks so much, Joel. I'm going to hand you back to our producer and then we'll let you go. Great. Thanks so much. This November, the Growth Show team will be at Inbound 2016. The lineup includes big names like Anna Kendrick, Tanisi Coates, Michael Strahan, and Alec Baldwin. And that's just to name a few. For more information and tickets, go to inbound.com. I really hope to see you there.